Welcome to Canopy Community's Founder Friday, the podcast series that brings real-life experiences and inspirational stories from founders and innovators across the globe. My name's Biraj Nakaja, and together with my co-hosts Tiana Momrov and Pedro Gimerej, we bring you a diverse group of founders from varying industries who've been kind enough to share with us their journeys and what makes them tick. We really hope you enjoy this episode. And so without further ado, let's dive in and get ready to learn. Welcome everybody to another episode of Founder Friday presented to you by Canopy Community. My name is Biraj, your host, and uh, I have the lovely Tiana and Pedro with me as my co-hosts again today, once again in sunny Brazil and maybe not so sunny uh, Portugal, but uh, still I'm always envious of these guys in the fantastic places they come from. And I'm delighted to welcome our guest on this episode, Charity Wilson. Charity, welcome. Charity is the founder and CEO of Beam Education um, and is going to be talking to us today about her entrepreneurial journey um, from the world of education as a teacher, I believe, to uh, entrepreneur, founder and CEO of a fantastic product that she's going to be talking to us about today as well. But today is so good um, to have you, Charity, because I think, and from the conversations we've been having, I know that your your journey has been exciting. Um, it's been nerve-wracking as well, because it's something that's quite new to you. Definitely. And I think there's so many people that will be listening that are going to resonate with your story today. So thank you once again for joining us, Charity. Thank you for having me. It's, it's uh, exciting to to share it and also just be part of the Canopy community and, and learn more from each other, which is absolutely, great. Absolutely, absolutely. So Tiana and Pedro, please, as always, feel free to jump in with your questions. But uh, Charity, why don't we start with uh, a little bit of an intro? Why don't you tell everyone about who you are and, uh, and what you do? Sure. Um, so I have been uh, leading my company for about... Well, it's coming up to six years. Um, it's a place I never thought I'd be in. I trained as a teacher and that's the world that I was in for a decade. And then this sort of opportunity came up out of nowhere. Um, I never could have imagined if you'd asked me, you know, seven years ago, would you be running your own company and um, and, and having to make the kind of decisions that I'm making? Will you be doing that one day? I, I never would have thought I'd be doing that. So it's... it's uh, it's a sideways direction in my life yeah. um, and it's an exciting path and I've learned a lot and I'm still learning massively. I'm very aware of, of, of what I still need to learn. But um, basically a, a few years ago while I was teaching, um, I noticed a significant problem um, and I know that uh, most companies, most uh, businesses are, are solutions that come on the back of a problem. And the problem was that uh, we had a new curriculum in place in the UK um, and that uh, significant numbers of teachers were leaving education. Um, in fact, at the time that this, this um, that I started working on um, my project, about 50% of all new teachers were leaving the profession um, and most of those were, were leaving within the first five years and they were leaving um, they were citing workload so there's there's a lot of um, evidence-based reports about how many how many teachers were just finding that the job wasn't living up to what they thought it was I think a lot of people go into teaching because it's a vocation they feel that calling to help help children and be involved in shaping young lives. Mm -hmm. um, and the, but the reality was that they were coming into a workplace that was just a, a treadmill for paperwork. Um, and so lots of people were leaving. Um, in fact, 80% of, of all teachers were considering leaving regardless, um, well prior to, to retirement date. So you've got these amazing skilled professionals um, who are enriching children's lives and they're leaving because the, the system is, is somehow a bit broken. Yeah. 
Um, it's a shame, so- isn't it? Because with, with te- so my, my mother is a teacher and um, she always used to get very frustrated with the, the, the standard comment was, oh, you get so many holidays. You're so lucky. You get so many holidays. But yeah. no one actually sees what goes on in the background. Yeah, the, you, you the finish at 3.30, right? Yeah, and like, <laughs> I don't think she ever came home at 3.30. I don't think she ever had six weeks in the summer holidays because she's planning and prepping lessons and things like that. But um, she loved teaching. But you're right, actually, a lot of people go into education for that passion, but the passion is in the teaching, but it's the administrative side of the, the role that I think can be really draining. Is that what you're referring to in terms Ab- of your experience? Uh, absolutely, yeah. And it's it's not it's not what um, people go in because, yeah, it's it's this vocation. It's like a calling. Hmm. Um, you, you, you go and do it and you bring all that energy and enthusiasm and then within a few years, the system completely breaks you yeah. because of the paperwork. And uh, there are some amazing head teachers out there who help to protect their staff from the paperwork but ultimately it's a, it's a system that we all have to be part of there's you know Ofsted the um the uh, inspectors that come in to to measure how well schools are doing and and although it's it's there to um, monitor how well school, schools are doing it's still quite a frightening thing so there's a lot of pressure in education um and none more so than at the moment and I think I was just very aware of that that workload issue and a major part of that workload problem was being able to prove that pupils are making progress mm-hmm. so on the back of that I was looking at how how we in our school assess um and how we um sort of keep track of where the, the children are what skills they they need to learn and like many schools we were using a, a paper-based system lots of photocopying lots of you know printing things out and sharing it with each other yeah. um and I thought I wonder if this can be digitized in a in a clever way um and I'd, so I, I looked into it some more and there were actually some some products already on the market that um enabled teachers to uh, keep a track of where pupils are what they still needed to learn what they were good at, what their strengths and weaknesses were in a digital format. But they'd been designed so long ago, um, well before, you know, um, before cloud-based platforms. They were very kind of Excel-based um, and very clunky to use. And actually, although it was a, a safe space for recording that information, it wasn't at all looking at the end user and user friendliness. Yeah. So actually those systems that were there to supposedly to help were actually increasing workload in, in many cases. Yeah. I thought there's got to be a better way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There must be a better way. So um, I started to think what, what would be, you know, a good way to do this. And, and actually if, if we're going to, you know, if I'm going to design a, an assessment system, what other information would be useful to, to make visible to teachers, just to make their jobs easier, streamline everything, you know, sync it all into one place um, and let them just have more time and freedom to be creative and, you know, teach the way that they're passionate about teaching. So I, I sort of came up with a, a bit of an, an idea for a prototype. I started putting together some wireframing, thinking about how, you know, what you'd click, where it would take you. And I, I know nothing about software development to this day. I, I'm, I'm still not sure what the difference between C++ and, in fact, I can't even give you another example. I, <laughs> I, I look at the code and I just, I think it's amazing. <laughs> I have no idea how to read it. It's like, you know, hieroglyphs. So, yeah. Um, but I, I knew how I wanted to navigate, how I wanted it to be intuitive. Um, and I knew want, what I wanted to do um, for, for the teachers who would be using it. So I started looking around for some um, some software development companies. And luckily, I'm, I'm based in Cornwall, so right down in the very southwest of, of England. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's been historically quite an economically deprived area. Mm-hmm. But because of that, it's it's had some um, grant funding. It's had super fast broadband, um, you know, installed ac- across the region. Um, and it's becoming a real digital hub. Um, so there's a lot of innovation going on where I am, which is great. Um, it's really opening up um, lots of, of new pathways for, for fresh, innovative companies. Sure. So 
I started looking around at some of the lovely software development companies down here and I found a company called Buzz Interactive um, and I still work with them. Um, so they are the, the, the contractors who, who carry out exactly what I want to be built. Yeah. And they, I just resonated with them. They understood the data security side of things. They understood um, exactly what I was trying to create and, and what other companies hadn't yet created. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started bootstrapping very early on, um, using my teaching salary and early revenue because I was because I had connections with other schools. I was able to make sales before um, we'd even launched the MVP. Amazing. Um, yeah, I, it was it, it was a really exciting time actually. Um, just to were the, you still were you still teaching while you were kind of yes. doing all of this? So, yeah. so you're already in that already high pressured environment of <laughs> all the administrative stuff you're trying to, yeah. to fix yeah. whilst also doing this. How, how did you manage that? Luckily, I, th- I think I was in a very uh, sort of creative, forward thinking school. And even though there were a lot of pressures, there was um, it was just a really strong team at, at the time. And, and I have you know friendships from that team that, that I'll have forever. So. Um, yeah, I, I just, I just juggled. I felt, I, I felt really excited about it. And I felt that when I was working, um, as a teacher, I enjoyed finding solutions for problems that might be affecting the whole school. And, and this made me feel really passionate because I felt like I was finding a solution for teachers, you know, across the country, potentially, you know, this could help so many people. Um, and that's what really drove me. So I was just using my salary, early revenue, um, uh, some small um, loans that I take, business loans I'd taken out, and and just following that um, build, measure, learn uh, model. I didn't have any, I didn't have a, a, a big chunk of funding. I didn't have anything that I could liquidate to put into it. Mm-hmm. So I could only afford to build tiny little parts. Uh, you know, each iteration had a, an extra tiny little bit yeah. added on, um, and it, it it worked in that because I was doing build, measure, learn. I was making, I was having to decide um, on every decision, every iteration. Do I really need this? Is this a wish list for me, or does the end user want it? Yeah. So I was constantly involving the end user. Um, I was the end user, but I was also really engaging with. Um, other schools other teachers and finding out you know what would be really helpful to you and that's still an ongoing process that's still mm-hmm. you know it's 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 quite a collaborative thing it's we share ideas um schools give ideas and they're invariably brilliant and then um when we you know when we can fund them we make it live on the platform and then it's live for everybody so it's best yeah. practice is being shared every which way and that's something we can offer that perhaps bigger companies can't do because um it, it's more challenging for them perhaps to to change the direction of, of their software but it's something that I feel quite passionate about so that's yeah. really important. I think um, initially when when you're trying to launch a product the temptation to have everything in there uh, and make it you know fantastic yeah. from day one um, versus actually the MVP as you say and the what what is actually needed the most and it's fantastic that you know you're going out there and validating that but for for me what i'm really interested in kind of like that what was the the light bulb moment where you're like right okay i need i really need to now stop teaching and take this forward as a as a business owner do you know i i that was that was terrifying um that was um do you remember years ago there was an episode of friends where um one of the characters um, really wanted to get out of the job they were in. And, and the, you know, the other friends were kind of saying, you need the fear. You yeah. need the fear. You have to quit. <laughs> and then it will force you to go and make the new career work. Yeah. Um, and, and that's what it felt like. I, I actually, I was working part-time as a teacher. Then I went on sabbatical for a little while. Um, and I had some mentoring. I had some great mentoring from, um, there's, um, a branch of Oxford innovation based down here in Cornwall. Uh, and I took any, any mentoring I could get any opportunity to learn and grow and, and listen to, to other people who had more experience. 
um, yeah, I jumped, I jumped on all of those chances. And I, one of the people um, who mentored me said, you're at, at the moment, you're not really investable because you are still working part-time as a teacher right. and no one's going to take you seriously if uh, you don't go full-time with this. And that was terrifying because, you know, you still have to make rent. <laughs> um, and every, every bit of money that was coming in was going into developing, developing the MVP or developing the, the, the next thing that was really required in order to um, extend our, our reach to, to new customers. So I wasn't really earning a salary from it. Mm. Um, and yeah, I, I, I took the, the leap and um in so in 2018 i went full-time and i launched a, a crowdfunding uh campaign at the same time um and again that was um that was a, a whole new experience in itself um but luckily like you said Mirage, so many people resonate with the teacher struggle yeah. So many people know teachers and they actually, yeah, it just struck a chord with them that they understood that challenge. And, and if you know a teacher, you've probably heard them say, you know, <laughs> it's not what I thought it would be or it's not what it once was and, and, yeah. and they want to leave. And I, obviously I didn't, I didn't want that to be the case. So I went for, for I used Crowdcube okay. um, and I, I managed to successfully raise um, about 90000 um yeah and that just meant then that we could go from minimum viable product to to actually sort of more of a, a more rounded offering to our customers so yeah that was that that was the turning point I think just having that advice saying saying you know you you need to take yourself seriously you need to take the company seriously um you need to go full-time on this so yeah I just I took a leap of faith <laughs> It's really funny you say that because um, there's one thing that my my son's headmaster, and it's just ironic that it's, uh, it's coming from an educational kind of uh, role, but my, my son's headmaster said that he wants the children in the school to be comfortable not being comfortable. Um, oh. And it's just something that really just sticks with me. Like, you know, when I asked him kind of what's your vision, we were looking for my son's school and we were like, you know, the headmaster plays such a crucial kind of, role in in, in uh, the, the decision of joining a school or not a headmaster or headmistress and it was just something that he said and it was just like wow that makes so much sense you know being comfortable not being comfortable um and uh it's the same sort of thing right it's kind of like being okay that right i'm going into this big wide world that's completely unknown to me um but as you say sometimes that's the thing that gives us the kick up the backside and, and forces us to have to really drive and make that work. Otherwise it's sometimes a little bit too easy to, to just sit back or, you know, when you, when you've still got a salary coming in, the focus maybe is not quite as, as much as it would be if you have to go and earn that next dollar. Absolutely. And, and I think there is power in having that fear. Yeah. Um, it really drives you. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm very glad I did it. I'll be honest. There are so many times when oh, I haven't been glad I did it. <laughs> There's been so many times, um, you know, when you're lying in bed at night and you, you know, you, you can't sleep, you've got chest pain, you're wondering how you're going to, you know, pay those bills. It just feels like you've come to yet another roadblock and that's, it's, it's so often the experience I think on, um, on the entrepreneur's journey, um, to come across these, these challenges and really not know how you're going to overcome them, Mm -hmm. but you do overcome them somehow you, you make your way through. Um, and suddenly that fear becomes experience and you grow in strength because you've learned that you, there's more resilience in you than you realized you had. Um, and I think for every, every sleepless night where I thought, I, I don't know how I can do this. I don't know how I can make ends meet, or I'm, I'm not sure, you know, what my next step is. Mm. Um, each one of those adds up to, to being, you know, an, ex, an experience and, and proof to myself, if not to anyone else that actually 
can find a way through that. And I think sometimes you're winning just by still being there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we're, we're such a small company up against these juggernauts of companies, these huge sort of monoliths of, of educational providers. Um, and we're so tiny. And we we see that, especially when we go to attend events like the um, the, the British Educational Technology Show, that mm-hmm. show in, um, that's normally in the Excel Centre. Okay every year and that's you know one of the biggest um ed tech events uh in in europe if, if not globally it has a massive draw and you know we'll be there with our with our sort of our little pitch you know yeah. our, our little stands you know come over and say hi and and we're up against companies that are 50 times the size of us just in in space and it, nothing Nothing sort of shows it better than when you attend those kind of events and you just see the enormity, you know, the, the, the advertising marketing power of these, these hugely um, influential yeah. companies. And we're, we're so tiny, um, but you, you, just, you just somehow draw strength from it and think, you, you know, we're doing something different. We're doing something that we're proud of and we just keep plowing on. Yeah, absolutely. We absolutely. do. Amazing. Tiana, did, were you going to say something? Yeah, sure. Uh, when you mentioned about being uncomfortable, I remember the one saying when, uh, when it's like what keeps us away from the great things are the good things. While we have the good things, we are not chasing the great things. So I think the moment you decide is to go out of the, let's say, comfort zone, this is when the magic happened. And I know these are all cliches, but they're actually true. And I work with many founders in a similar situation, going from the idea to the launch. And for me, the, the most impressive ones are those who uh, start the business out of their own struggle, going into even a bigger struggle, <laughs> hoping that they're going to fix the initial one. So it, it all sounds like really, really too much and overwhelming. And very often our uh, like project management uh, check-ins and meetings turn into live coaching sessions and, and, uh, and comforting uh, calls. But uh, I, I really find it very, very impressive. And uh, the, the, what you mentioned, how valuable you found the, the work with the mentors. I think it's also amazing because you are a teacher and in the same time, you're a good learner because you value uh, what, uh, what it means to, be, to have the opportunity to be taught by someone oh, who has more experience, right? Absolutely. I think um, knowing your own limitations is, is crucial um, and under, understanding, you know, I'm a huge advocate of lifelong learning. You know, that's... That's really, as as teachers, you know, that's what you're doing. You're you're not just teaching information; you're teaching the skills to carry on learning throughout your life. Because we're teaching young people for, and we don't actually know what their jobs will look like. You know, in in the next ten, twenty years, we're teaching towards there. There won't be the careers that as as we know them necessarily. You know, so it's a it's a digital world. So we've got to teach the skills and we've got to teach the love of learning. We've got to kind of instill that passion. Um, so I, I certainly have that. And I, I love learning from other people. I really enjoy it. And I think that's what's been great about being part of, of entrepreneur communities is that the mentoring, but also the learning from each other. And, yeah. and quite often, I think um, the community has the answer. You're not sure what the answer is yourself, but actually share it and someone will, you know, say something and you'll just get that light, light bulb moment from somebody else in, in the same shoes. And how about yeah. your colleagues from your day job at the time while you were still part time in the school? How were your colleagues reacting? Did you talk to them about your new project? Yeah, they were hugely supportive. So I, I tried, I actually had a head teacher at the time that was, that was massively uh, supportive and and so allowed me to go part time and said, just just go for it. Just go and, you know, he could he could see the benefit in what I was creating just for our school um, and and saw that it had, you know, had legs to, to go and help others. Um, so I, I was I was really lucky on that front. And those teachers are still. Um, yeah, they still champion the, the product so that the actual. Um, so it's. it's I'm CEO of Beam Education. The actual product is called Mapix, and um, you know, by now it has thousands of, of, of pupil data stored on it, and it's um, you know Touchwood working beautifully and helping lots of teachers in lots of schools. Um, so yeah, they were they were really. Um, I, I think it's important to have good relationships 
uh, with people, even if you, you, even if perhaps you fundamentally uh, disagree about things, it's important to to maintain really positive relationships. And I had just great relationships, great friendships at the school, and they were really encouraging of me going and trying this. And I, I did and still do very often feel like a fish out of water. I have massive imposter syndrome. It's, you know, crippling at times. Um, even coming on here today, I was so just so nervous because I, I think you can listen to other podcasts and think, wow, there's someone with a wealth of experience. And I'm, you know, on the sort of career journey, I'm still climbing the mountain. I'm still near the bottom of the mountain and I can see how far I have to climb. I can see how much I have to learn. Um, and sometimes I think when you're networking or when you're engaging with with other um, company founders it's it's impossible not to compare and to 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 look at their successes and just feel but actually we we mostly learn from the people who are just a little bit ahead of us on the journey when they are so far away it's even difficult to understand what the steps are and what's happening over there so i think people who will relate to this podcast episode, you'll be the people who are just like a little bit behind you on, on the journey and they will value a lot what you're sharing today. Yeah, oh, I, was okay. say, I think with the imposter syndrome, it's really interesting. Um, I think the very fact that it has a, 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 a kind of a term called imposter syndrome attached to it is, is a problem in itself because people think like, oh my God, this is really bad, right? It's, it's quite a natural feeling. Um, but as you say, um, Tiana, there's going to be people listening to this episode that are going to be thinking, oh my God, look what Charity's done. Like, how the hell am I ever going to get to the stage that she's got to? And oh my God, that's so far away and probably feeling similar sort of things to you did. Um, but that's just the natural evolution of starting a business, right? We all start from somewhere. We don't always know what that next step's going to be. But as you say, Charity, it's the experiences, the, the learning, the knockbacks that you get on that journey that essentially uh, strengthen your armory um, and allow you to, to build that resilience to really then make that, that uh, kind of dream or passion a success. So, um, so yeah, I mean, please don't feel imposter syndrome. It's fantastic. What you're doing is fantastic. <laughs> uh, you know, you, you would never tell that uh, kind of that was something that uh, you, you, you struggled with really in that respect. Pedro, you're going to say something? Yes, I'm going to make three comments and a question. The, the first comment is uh, charity. I feel that imposter syndrome, I think, almost every day. So well, welcome to the jungle, okay? <laughs> Thank you. The second thing is feel you're climbing the mountain and you can't see the top of it. The good news there is no top of the mountain. I can't, the, can't, the, the, the mountain keeps growing as far as... Uh, at the same time you grow and it just becomes... Uh, I will, say more, more, more exciting the third comment is i love what you just said about teaching the kids how to be ready for the future jobs that we don't know exactly which one will be at this stage which gives me the perfect segue to refer our next monday at 3 p.m oh i think we've lost him mm -hmm. thank you we're losing you, Pedro. Oh, I think he's uh, got connections issue there. I think what Pedro is referring to there actually is next week uh, we are hosting a an event called the Future of Work and Education, um, and um, I, I'm guessing I'm going to preempt that uh, Pedro is going to ask you actually based on your experiences and what you're doing so far. What do you think that future of education is? Like, you know, teachers are in schools teaching at the moment um, for the now. But as you say, it's very important for us to be able to teach for the future. Where do you see where do you see education going in the future? Obviously, digitally focused based on what you're doing with your business. But um, where do you see that going? I think due to COVID, um, you know, we there wasn't any time to to plan or think, you know, it, it sort of came out of nowhere. Um, and uh, schools have digitized very quickly. Hmm. Um, it's, it came at a time where there is the technology um, and, and people could deliver lessons online. And I think online learning is, is, is far less scary. But I, th I think the key um, to the, the future of education is, is skills-based 
learning. And I also think it's it um, needs to be more pupil led. Um, so it's it's got to ignite the passion within the individual pupil, things that that interest them, whether that's, you know, uh, skateboarding, mountain climbing, uh, maths, logarithms, whatever that is, whatever um, challenge appeals to, to the way that they work and then building from there. So actually introducing a, a, a range of skills, letting them find their niche, find what excites them and then developing from there. So I think we will move more into that kind of skills base. What exactly that will look like yeah, I, I, I don't know, I guess. Um, yeah, I really, I really resonate with that. Um, I'm, a, I'm a strength coach and I advocate to all my clients about understanding their natural talents and strengths and how you can maximise that for greatest potential. And, you know, what you said there about children at an earlier age trying to find their thing, you know, that well, what is it that I'm really passionate about? Like, and not necessarily a career choice, but I really enjoy problem solving or I really enjoy communicating in front of people or I really enjoy strategic thinking you know or whatever that may be if if they can really understand that early then the world is their oyster in terms of their next steps in terms of their choices in terms of um the 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 subjects that they choose the work experience that they go for um but often um we as educators, I guess, are trying to, I don't know, maybe actually, what's your view on this? Do you think we're trying to mold children to become jack of all trades and kind of be that really well-rounded person? Or actually, should we, should the whole education system be slightly different and say, well, okay, it's okay to be, I'm going to use the word average, but, you know, good at certain things, but actually be focusing on being fantastic at certain things only. I I think that, that the question you just asked would resonate with a lot of, of teachers who've been in the profession for a long time, hmm. uh, you know, way before I joined, who, who've seen the change in, in, the, in the system. And I think there was a period, whether or not we're beyond that now, I don't know. There was a period where that expectation for um, good record keeping and um, data analysis of um, showing pupil improvement put a lot of pressure on teachers to show improvement on every skill. Hmm. Um, And the reality is a a lot of those teachers would tell you that actually, you know, he's, you know, this particular child, he's getting there. He's, he's developing. He's, he's, he's coming along. He'll catch up with, you know, other children or he's flourishing in this respect, but that kind of one size fits all, um, system that we that we have um means that for many children they perhaps experience a, a sense of failure not i mean we try to do our best to protect them from that but um you don't you don't really want children to feel that they fall short of a mark a benchmark that means they have to be great at languages english math science pe whatever it is you don't want them to feel like they don't they don't meet that and similarly you don't want them to feel like they're only good at they're only good at sports yeah oh you're not academic you're physical you know and and sometimes you hear those messages coming through so I think that we need to um adapt to understanding how to deliver a a more sort of skills-based um system and I think that that we're moving in that direction now um, and, and the data is that, like, for example, if you look at so the thing that, that we're particularly interested in now following on from having developed MAPICS and looking at what does the teacher need, we're really interested now in looking at what, what does the pupil need? So how do we come at it from their perspective? And the data is there that shows us what, what children enjoy. So statistically, they are... Um, you know, most more than half of children own their own mobile phone by the time they're uh, seven, or they have independent use of a, a mobile phone wow. by that age in the UK. Yeah. Um, and that is, uh, you know, that's amazing, isn't it? You just think by by ten, most of them 
by 11, you know, by secondary school, it's a, it's a kind of standard thing that you've, yeah. you've, you've got the, the use of that independently all the time. Um, and you can look at what they're, what they're downloading. And most of the time they're interested in YouTube mm-hmm. um, and YouTube influencers and um, TikTok is, is now one of the, the most downloaded apps. So you can actually see what, what the, the trends are and what, children are interested in and and how they like to absorb information and how they like to you know follow not just um national um influencers but local influencers as well um and how that's that kind of mini snapshot <clears throat> movie view of, of 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 skills is what they're what they're kind of downloading or what they're what they're experiencing through those apps and so we can see then that that's that's like a potentially a really great way into um, into educating through those means. And I think that's that's what we're really interested in at the moment is looking at what kids use, what they enjoy, and how we can then kind of bend that towards education. Mm-hmm. And we we're actually we've um, devised a concept for an app that where we're we're actually looking for um, investment into that at the moment. We're looking for funding to support that. Um, so I'll be going on, on some of the um, canopy demo nights to, uh, to talk about exactly what we're looking for, um, which will be great. It's exciting. Um, so we're looking at, you know, what are people's interested in? How can we ignite that passion? And then how can we build that, that passion towards um, developing skill sets that are then transferable across multiple, you know, subject areas, if you like, or multiple topics. Sure. So how can we take their strengths and and, and help them grow? Sorry, Pedro. No, no, Birash, I'm having connection problems, as you know. No, that's okay. I preempted your question. I thought you were going to ask um, about charity on the future of education. No, I was referring that we're going to organize next Monday for the ones that are watching us live, uh, an event regarding that at, yes. at 3 p.m. But uh, getting back, uh, um, I, do, I do believe that schools need to improve a lot on soft skills training kids, okay, which will probably imply retraining teachers on that area also. Uh, if we had time, I could explain why, why did I reach this conclusion. But uh, I've been involved in projects regarding education, and one of these days, um, I cross by with, with a guy that used a, a, a concept that I never thought about, that is today the teacher is a YouTuber. Okay, actually, due to the remote remote teaching, and it's a quite unfair game because you are having a, a newish YouTuber actually performing for experienced YouTuber YouTuber followers. Okay, so it, um, how do you see all this in the process of what you're doing at Mapix? Meaning, uh, are you planning to help? teachers develop their soft skills in order that they can be of more use because I fully agree what Viraja said. Uh, it's better to be proud, to be great in strategic thinking or communicating in public than to be the best physics student in, in the in the long run when you can predict uh, which one will which will be the, the future jobs. So how does this is does this fit in what you're doing at, at, at your company today? Well, with with Mapix, um, so we are at the moment we um, we deliver um, an assess a formative assessment platform for uh, core subjects, so uh, reading, writing, uh, maths, science, um, and we've included um, PE in that as well. Um, and then we're now introducing foundation subjects, so. Um, history, art, uh, design technology, geography. Um, and why one's called core and one's called foundation, I'm still not sure, even though I've been in that world for a very long time. Um, so we're introducing these subjects and actually it's it's been a really exciting um, and challenging thing to do, but I love that kind of problem solving anyway, is taking a subject and looking at what skills 
are required within that subject and then developing a sort of coherent curriculum on the back of that. So we're actually looking at skills more than, you know, the concrete knowledge, more than just, you know, um, finding out about the Spanish Armada or, you know, how many wives King Henry VIII had. Yeah, that's still relevant and we'll still include that, but we're looking more at the skills. So yeah, we're, we're leaning towards that and it, and we're leaning towards that because that's what schools are telling us that, that they want. They want that kind of skills led kind of curriculum. That said, we also have to follow the national curriculum. Yeah. So we also have to provide teachers with what's the statutory requirement. And that's quite, um, elements of it are very fixed but where we can be fluid we try to be fluid and we and we work with the schools and just communicate and say what's good for you you know what works best for you guys yeah. um so that, <laughs> that's where we're going with that how does the, how does a mapix product work then tell us a little bit more about mapix in particular so mapix in, in particular so that's the that's the name of our of our um first um uh, launched product mm-hmm. um and basically it's it's for use on the go so unlike other assessment systems, which are summative, which involve teachers sitting down, usually over half term or over their holidays and filling in tick boxes about every objective in the curriculum um, and every child that they teach and ticking how well they can do each objective. Instead, it's it's more sort of on the go. So you might teach a lesson about, for example, um, you might teach multiplication by up to thousands um and then for you, you would while you're teaching it in the class you open up it's like a smart mark sheet and you have all the pupils names there it's preloaded with all of their historical data so little color coding elements that are really quick for the teachers to read they can see which children um are considered uh, pupil premium children so they're the children who who may come from um economically de- deprived um backgrounds that kind of thing so all of the the information about the children that we're that we need to be specifically uh, looking out for or, or group they call them groups um, of, of children we know what their history is if, even if I'm covering someone else's class I could jump straight in and see all the data for those children and I can teach that lesson on multiplying by a thousand and I can quickly tick off the, the children who've got it instantly um, on usually most teachers use it on a, a tablet or an iPad um, and as soon as you've closed that window it's saved and that data is then uploaded and instantly shared with with all the, the sort of key people within the school so that then becomes data that can be interrogated by the head teachers by the lead teachers they can have a look at how those that group of children pupil premium children are doing they can see how well they were doing last year compared to this year they can see their growth rate they can compare boys and girls see if there's a gender gap so all the kind of things that you need to be reporting anyway and the kind of things that that Ofsted would would come and ask you about. It's there instantly, but it's there. You know, teachers might up, update that smart mark sheet once or twice a week, um, and so it's instant data. You can see where the gaps are with the children straight away. You don't have to. Uh, you don't have to wait until half term when the teachers sit down and try and remember everything they've taught. Yeah, yeah. Get all the books out <laughs> and sit there and tap until they yeah. So it's, yeah, it's, it's formative. The parents get access to that as well. So they've got real time, like kind of reports on their children as well. No, but that's, that's kind of on the wish list. Mm-hmm. That's, mm-hmm. that's something I would have done straight away if I'd, if I'd been able to. Um, we made it, we made sure that it generates parent friendly reports. So reports that kind of make sense, you know, it just prints out, hey, look, you know, here's a graph yeah, of how no, well they're doing in the no subject. Yeah. Exactly. yeah, no yeah. jargon, because you do, as a teacher, you do spend half the time explaining what the jargon means. Yeah. And then suddenly your 10 minutes is up. That's the end of, of that session. You could, so, you could almost do away with parents' evenings, right? I mean, it could be real time data that you don't have to then go and have this moment in time where you sit and speak to your teacher. Exactly. Although I think there's obviously there's real value in that face to face that that yeah. that kind of that pastoral care is a huge part of the job and that, you know, just that time to engage and in, encourage that link between home and school. Yeah. So, so that's what we've like to come back to what uh, Pedro was asking about that in with our um, with the app that we're actually looking to to raise funding on. 
we're really interested in in sort of reaching those children who that, that bridging that homeschool divide um, and reaching those children who've particularly suffered during academically suffered and and probably in other ways during COVID those children who who have effectively gone absent from the system so that the stats are showing us that that during the lockdowns for for many teachers they might only have regular contact with 60 percent of the of their class wow. so those those children have gone you know they're there but they're, they're not quite reachable and that's because um for for online learning a lot of children as you'll have seen in the news they don't have um the yeah, right the right kit yeah. to get online so it needs to be a pc or a laptop so we're like well actually can we do this in a way that's mobile phone because we know so many children have got mobile phones um or they don't have the space. They literally don't have, you know, a, a desk t- to work at, or, or enough space, and, or enough mental space to, to process new learning. So we're just we're we're really interested in in how can we reach those those children who have missed out on over a year's worth of of learning. Those children who will statistically be uh, by the time they leave um, by the time they leave secondary school around about two and a half years behind their peers academically. And these children tend to be from those pupil premium children. They're from deprived, economically deprived backgrounds. They may be children who've been in and out of care. Quite often they are children from um, black and minority ethnic uh, groups. So there's this huge, you know, this huge number of children who are, who have these skills and we just want to help them help reach them and help them to to develop that you know self-esteem and and resilience and develop love of learning and it's a big ask uh but it's it's worth doing so that's what we're we're looking at now it's how to how to reach them and how to bring them back in Jerry, and what are your thoughts uh, on socializing among children with these new trends i guess they are missing out on socializing with the peers, with the other children, you know, in a way that is not so structured, like, okay, they are in a class right now, everybody's on a Zoom call, sure, but it's, it's not the same as in, in, uh, in a real life, right? So, uh, and for them, one year or two years is huge for us. We can miss, miss one year of uh, normal social life, but somehow in, in the development phase uh, that they are in, I think it's a huge chunk of time. Yeah. So what are your thoughts on that? Can, can something be done? under these circumstances to maybe facilitate more of this like uh, less formal socializing i i wish i had the answer because it's it's definitely it's a huge concern isn't it i i i think that there's been a lot in the press about the impact of isolation um on adults and now they're starting to look at, at, at young adults and young children But the actual impact of it, of, of not socializing in the way that we're used to socializing, um, I'm sure there will be an impact. And I, and I wonder if that's something that somebody will innovate on the back of because, you know, socializing is hugely important, but, you know, it's, it's the root of communication. It's, it's the root of understanding, you know, kind of, your your value and, and how you contribute uh so it's it's hugely important and i think hopefully we're at the tail end of of covid now and we're going into a a positive um you know more integrative uh stage but yeah i i don't know what what do you think I think definitely while we are under these circumstances that it has to be online, there should be time, some time dedicated for something that is not a math lesson, not a language lesson, not history lesson, like something that is just pure socializing, maybe even like leaving the, the children to communicate between themselves or facilitate it in some way. And also once we go back to, to let's say, normal life, offline life, real-time communication, to value it even more, to never forget how much you missed in that. Yeah. I think um, peer-to-peer communication is really important. And again, that's something that, that, that we're looking at is, is, is how to enable, you know, children to communicate and to um, applaud the, the, the kind of the, the positives about each other. Um, 
without veering into those sort of uh, territories where you know, children get bullied online and that kind of thing. So how can we facilitate a space where it's about positivity um, and, and just build self-confidence, build self-esteem, those kind of things? Um, this, that's, this period, I was going to say, it's probably been hugely valuable in terms of ideas for you in terms of features and future iterations of your products right like the, the, the learning that we're going through and the experiences and, and what we're seeing children going through as you say from a social perspective but generally from a learning perspective um, I mean there must be ideas flying around in your mind at the moment around oh, I could add this and I could add that so kind of how are you prioritizing kind of the next iteration so iteration one is now live and yeah well uh, I think we're technically iteration probably three so at any time we've had any kind of substantial funding in so following the crowd cube yeah uh, that kind of thing um so yeah prioritizing wise it's just it's it's a case of just keeping that communication with the schools open yeah um and just talking about you know what what would make your life easier right now so sure. it's always addressing a problem it's always you know, looking at what's going to help benefit most people because we don't um, customize it. We develop it. And, and uh, as I said, we, you know, whatever we build, it yes, goes up. Yeah. 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 That's brilliant, right? And that's, that's actually a mistake a lot of people I see making is that um, they, to please the end customer, they will make it bespoke to that customer. And then the next customer wants something else. And then there's, and then you end up with like these multiple, iterations of code bases that are also yeah. i think kind of going in it with this product mindset from the offset is a, is a fantastic way to look at that and i guess you know for someone that doesn't come from a technology background to, to be thinking that that's the way forward is already a, a huge step in the right direction and um yeah definitely i would certainly encourage i know tiana you, your background is in product as well i don't know what your view is on that as well but uh certainly my experience has shown having that product mindset is hugely, hugely important. Exactly. Having um, um, a sounding board as well, I, you know, having that extra person, I was really lucky in, in 2018, same time that I did the uh, crowdfunding. Um, my, the size of my company doubled from one to two and I was no longer alone. <laughs> 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 and um, so uh, Becky Allen, uh, joined uh, joined me at Beam Education, <clears throat> and <clears throat> I was listening to your last week's podcast um, about Robert um, Bulldog talking about having interesting titles, and yeah. I, I think she should actually be like the make it happen officer. <laughs> yes, yeah, <laughs> she's just like this absolute ball of energy and can always see a way through. So where yeah. I might be going, uh, should we be doing this? Should we be prioritizing that? She's just that that sounding board, that common sense, but also huge ambition. Um, Does she also come from an educational background? No, she can't. Actually, her background is um, pharmaceutical sales, ah, okay. and also um, she trained as a nurse, so she's from that kind of medical side of things as well. Nice. Um, so when we're looking at you know pupil health and things like that, mental health and well being. She's she's very sort of gend up on that. Amazing. Um, so was that, was that intentional yeah. or was that a uh, was that luck? In that it, was luck. it was luck. <laughs> no, you're yeah. supposed to say it was intentional. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I mean, it was entirely intentional. <laughs> no, that's really interesting, right? So the default would be to grow your business with more educational sort of um, experience because that's what you're trying to do. But I think that's really valuable experience um, uh, experience for, for some of the listeners as well. Is that bringing that different perspective early on can really shape what your product looks like because you know you've got that initial kind of direction that it's it's educational focused mm. but there's so many periphery elements to that as you say pupil health is is huge part of what you're doing yeah someone with that experience to be able to to help influence the, the shape of your product early doors is is, is amazing Pupil health and, and well-being, which is where we're so heavily focused yeah. now. But also, you know, the starting point was really teacher 
health and well-being yeah. and actually looking at a system that was you know is breaking the professionals within it yeah um albeit with you know so many really good people championing the teachers it was it's still you know a, a, an overwhelming burden of of paperwork so actually championing them and and, and i sympathize enorm- enormously because i've had you know, I've, I've struggled with anxiety on and off for, for years and years. So I, I know what that feels like when you, do, you, you just, you have that pain in your chest and you just think, I'm not going to get it all done. I've got, I've got to get it in. Mm. Um, I've, I've got to, and, and that, that burden as well of, of feeling like you're letting down not only the people you work with or your head teacher, but you're letting the children down if you don't get all this, this, this paperwork done. And actually, um focusing on 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 that it it drives it, i find that drives me forward it, yeah. it gives me a, a sense of of purpose and yeah and I, I know you said that we'll never you know there's no top to the mountain pedro but <laughs> i do yeah i i just i completely get that because i feel like you think you've overcome one challenge and then another challenge crops up but I I do quite often feel like we're we're so you know we're really at the very beginning we're we're not quite even maybe base camp. <laughs> the confidence grows along the journey. The confidence grows because you know what you accomplished so far, and it gives you a certain amount of confidence for sure. Sorry, Pedro, go ahead. Just uh, following what that uh, chat you were saying, for, and, and before I forget, congratulations on what you achieved. Uh, you're, you're so inspiring, and the reason why you started and everything you've done until today, it's, 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 it's a huge congratulation to you, honestly, from the heart. It's, uh, I'm amazed with what you achieved. So I'm going to give you a gift. Now I'm going to give you a magic wand, okay? <laughs> and uh, it's, you, know, you can do whatever, okay? Limitless. Tell me where you are in five years from now. Where is my pixies? What is it doing? Five, five years from now, we have uh, launched our new app. We don't have an, I don't have a name for it at the moment, but we've launched it. Um, we are shaking up the education system we're known to be uh, game changers we're walking a fine line between uh entertainment and and social engagement and growing skill sets for young people we're um engaging high profile people people who who are uh, excellent in their own field in um in scaring in in sharing their skills with uh, young people um, and we're helping to influence to a degree the, the shape of of how we uh, deliver education i am probably on a beach somewhere drinking <laughs> a margarita <laughs> love it and taking, you know, just taking the odd phone call as and when. I love it. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm not. So, yeah, that would be lovely, wouldn't it? I'm on a holiday. I, that's what it is. Yeah. I, I, I have a holiday booked in. <laughs> that, that'll be it. So, yeah, I, I, I hope so. I hope that we can, yeah, magic wand would be. Remember, this being recorded, we're going to cherish this in five years from now. Five years, and you and we far ahead, I'm sure. Thank you so love, much for your answer. I love the ambition, though. I love the ambition. I love the passion that's coming through um, your voice in terms of what you're doing as well. You can see that education means so much to you, and it's you know that's what I love about this whole kind of conversation. Actually, is that it started from a passion to teach, and it's turned into your business that is now going to help disrupt um, that whole kind of environment that you originally came into and probably hasn't changed that much in, in however many years. Um, but actually now is the time. And unfortunately things like a pandemic 
you know, both within the education sector, but generally has forced people to pivot and has forced people to, to think differently. Um, but actually, you thought about this before the pandemic, right? And the pandemic, as I said, is probably going to give you even more ideas, but it's fantastic that uh, that uh, that vision that you had is, is now a reality. And um, yeah, congratulations to you for, for getting to where you've got to. And, um, you. and there's still, obviously, I'm sure lots of experiences ahead of you that will, will, will make you even stronger as well. I hope so. Thank you. Fantastic. So I wanted to actually touch a little bit more about the person behind Beam Education. Tell me, tell us a little bit more about you. So, you know, you talked about the pressures of being a teacher. Um, you're now facing the pressures of being a business owner and a founder and a CEO. So, and you talked about the anxiety and, and kind of, you know, the, the, the pressures then stresses that comes with that. But what do you then do and what recommendations can you give others that might be in a similar situation where this is all actually no time for holidays, no time for, you know, kind of uh, spending, you know, with friends or whatever it may be. What, what are you doing to kind of balance that, um, that work life? Um, yeah, that's a good question because I do have to remind myself to uh, to be mindful. Yeah, um, I'm I'm very lucky with where I live in that I it, I'm right on the Cornish coast, so I you know just getting outside and and feeling you know the wind in your hair and yeah. the sea spray and all of that um, makes a huge difference. I'm a terrible surfer, like really bad. I spend most of the time under under the board under the water rather than on it but um I think getting in the sea I found is there's nothing like it for you've got your back to the land <laughs> you're just bobbing along just floating looking out to the expanse of the ocean um there's there's nothing like it for for washing away all of the worries that's music um, in Tiana's ears right because Tiana <laughs> you're a surfer as well aren't you yeah, and the ocean is really like we always say, there is nothing the ocean cannot fix. However you feel, you're going to get uh, out of the ocean uh, in a better mood. <laughs> so true. It's, uh, yeah, it's, there's, there's nothing like it for just washing everything <laughs> everything away. It's, it's brilliant. Um, and when I'm not doing that, I'm, um, I'm a really, I actually trained as a writer before as a teacher. So I'm a really keen writer and illustrator. Um, so it, it comes in handy when I'm creating resources. So we sell resources as well through the website, creating things, you know, just to simplify concepts so that the younger people can understand it as well. So, um, yeah, I, I like to, I like to do things physically with my hands. I like to get myself in the sea, just do something that it doesn't involve being still and, and going over all the decisions that you've made or should have made or could have made. Definitely, definitely. And just in terms of last question before we wrap things up, um, given everything that you've been through in terms of your experience so far, what would be the one piece of advice that you would give your younger self? Learn to love plan B. Plan, B, plan A probably won't happen. I love so it. Go. I love it. <laughs> Keep thinking about this these days a lot. <laughs> Amazing. It's funny, right? Because everyone, I, I often hear there is no plan B, right? It's, a, it's only plan A. But the, the reality is that's not the case, right? You're going to have to pivot. You're going to have to change direction. And there's probably going to be a C and a D and an E as well. And that's okay, right? That's okay. It's all, it's, it's all fine. If you, I think if you set, ever, set all your, pin all your hopes on plan A. Yeah. And I think a lot, especially when you're starting off, there's a lot of, um, almost um, forcing yourself to to cement the idea of, of plan A in your head because you create a business plan and the business you know the business plan depends on this this and this and you create you know that cause and effect structure of, of on your financial forecasts and things like that and I think um, it almost feels like you're failing if you don't achieve plan A but you know if you, if you're if you're still there if you're still going and it's because of plan B then that's good. Love plan B. <laughs> love that. Love. 
I think that's a very appropriate uh, tagline. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Charity, thank you so much for, for joining us today. It was really inspirational to hear your story and your, your journey. And I'm sure that so many people that are listening are going to be able to resonate and learn so much from that as well. How can people get in contact with you and learn more about what you're doing? What's, uh, what's the best way for people to get in touch with you? LinkedIn. Is, is really good yeah it's it's nice uh, like you're saying last week it's just so easy isn't it for um, yeah absolutely we'll, we'll put your uh, linkedin um uh please do. details on the, on the show notes as well yeah, but um thank you so much uh, tiana pedro any final words from you guys just a huge congratulations on on the journey charity thank you uh, love it to meet you and all the luck because you deserve and your cause deserves it Absolutely. Thank you very much. It's been so lovely to meet you and, and yeah, just... Likewise. Yeah, it's been amazing to have you on. And before we go as well, a huge, huge happy birthday to you, Tiana. It's your happy birthday. Happy birthday, guys. So, um, Thank you so much. now you're going to go off and celebrate in the Brazilian sunshine, maybe do some surfing if you can, um, and uh, finish the day off with a piece of cake, maybe, who knows. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thanks great. for everything. Bye. Have a great weekend and uh, we all keep in touch. Absolutely. Thanks everyone for listening in. Um, and uh, for everyone that is listening, please uh, do uh, follow us uh, and uh, like and share this uh, podcast uh, with your friends and family. Uh, we've got some exciting um, podcast uh, guests coming on in the future as well. So uh, yeah, please do uh, to join us for, for future episodes as well. Thanks everyone and uh, have a great weekend. Thank you for listening to the Founder Friday podcast from Canopy Community. If you've enjoyed this episode, we'd really appreciate you leaving us a five-star review on your preferred listening platform and liking and sharing this podcast with your network. Canopy only exists because of the amazing hashtag tribe members who make our community so engaging. We really appreciate their support. If you'd like to join the tribe or have any recommendations for amazing founders or innovators for future episodes, please visit our website at www.canopy.community. So all that's left to say is a huge thank you from me for listening in and obrigado yet de breve from Tiana and Pedro. We really look forward to you joining us on the next episode.